0: Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world, looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time.
1: Welcome to Lead Time with my friend and partner in the gospel, Jacob Bessling. You rocking this day, dude? Oh, it's
0: been so good. I was at a talk at a church by Mark Driscoll. What? About intolerance and tolerance. It was so good. Way to go, Mark Driscoll. So
1: today is a day to learn. It's a legit day. You are going to be challenged and hopefully inspired today on Lead Time. Welcome. You know, in this day and age, 21st century, we need more prophetic lay leaders. Lay leaders are humble, completely invested in their local church, time, talent, and resources. And these lay leaders, those who are not paid, let's define lay, those who are not paid, uh, but want to give over and over and over again, they are willing to challenge in love pastors and other professional church workers. And I think that phrase, professional church worker, Jake, it has some flaws. I hear it get thrown around a lot. Yes, these paid professional church people have been trained and should be respected, but leaders can never, should never hide behind titles. Leaders must lead by example and develop, discover, develop, and deploy others. Uh, Too often professional could mean I do, and you, you just sit back and you receive, you just watch, you watch me watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. me. This is no place. This sort of posture has no place in the ministry life of the Christian, especially the Christian leader. Why? Because it had no place in the leadership style of Jesus. This had no place in the leadership style of Jesus. So Jake, talk to us about that marvelous leadership style of Jesus.
0: Jesus was the ultimate servant leader. Uh, He led by example and, and he went to places um, that he, he went because he was going to call his disciples to do the same. So there's no place that he wouldn't go and do what he needed to do to serve others on the cross, of course. And thanks be to God, he rose from the grave. And he gave away leadership early on in his ministry. I mean, he's pretty silent for 30 years, but he comes on the scene, and he calls fishermen and tax collectors and a, a ragtag group of disciples and just says simply, come and follow me. And it was an upside-down kind of discipleship. Um, from the rabbi calling the uh, teachers to come and follow me. And he released them to do a marvelous thing so early on. Um, He would teach them, but mostly it was through them going to experience and then coming back. And they were just lay people. They were just hanging out and entering in uh, because they were fishermen and all these different things and then um, serving in that way. I mean, you look at prophetic voices like Peter in Acts chapter 2 then, he goes on to lead the early church, and Paul in all of his letters, always empowering the saints for love and good deeds. Yet, I mean, you think about it, Tim, let's clarify the word prophet, though, as we think about
1: prophecy. We don't throw that word around much, do we? No, prophet. I don't. Yeah, you it don't. can be kind of like, woo, 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 yeah. woo today I I heard hellfire this, Brimstone yeah right? well another I t- I heard this talk today
0: by Mark Driscoll and he was just talking about the world and how we we are in a biblical from the biblical standpoint binary mm. heaven hell yeah light darkness but the world is really either um, or right yeah either or and that's actually that's okay binary. sure that's okay versus the world saying it's uh, uh kind of mono it's only it's all this together there's 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 just everything in and of itself in this big giant circle of truth, and it's okay
1: to just be foundational. One thing truth is being lost, and when he was saying that,
0: I mean, we don't always talk that way. And so, just a prophetic voice as a Christian to say, This is really where we're headed. If uh, we're headed to Romans chapter one, God just giving us over Mm -hmm. to our cravings, and so we need more prophets in our day and age to speak the truth. So,
1: but what do you mean by? prophet. Pastor. Yeah, John. so there's two different definitions for prophet, if you just looked it up on Google. So is. one, it's a person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the Word of God. So that kind of sounds pretty general, right? It's any person who is inspired and has a word to share. So in your role as an evangelist in your community, you have a prophetic voice An inspired voice from God, the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, and you're called to bring that word, the will of God, to love and then challenge those who are walking far from God. The second definition is this, writers from the Old Testament, this is probably how many of us refer to to prophet, or from other religions like Mormonism, Joseph Smith, etc., Muhammad, the prophet, right? in Islam. Jesus' threefold office, maybe we're going to go back to some confirmation stuff here, right? Jesus had a threefold office of prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is a perfect prophet who was inspired by God to share God's will, an inspired will, an inspired word, through his perfect life, death, and resurrection. The apostle Paul then talks in Ephesians chapter 4, we've referenced it a lot, the calling of some to be apostles, and then prophets, evangelists, preachers, and teachers. So think about the prophets of the Old Testament. What sort of words did they bring, Jake? Hard words. Mm. Uh, they were pruning words.
0: They were corrective words. They they had some legit things to say at some really tough times. Uh, Turn back. Don't do this anymore. If you do, if you keep doing this way, this is going to affect your life. And, and, God's uh, not happy with you. The people were far from God most of the time, and they needed repentance. I mean, you think about Jonah going to Nineveh, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah. Uh, Think of Samuel with King David. Um, You're the man. Um, Samuel was an advisor who lovingly confronted powerful King David and his sin. Some people are inspired by God to bring hard words. It's just a gift that God has given them that they lean into and they should lean into to people of high authority and positions in leadership and hopefully pastor leader receive those words from those in your council. It's really sad when, you know, you trust them up to a point, but then you say, I don't, I can't receive that word of corrective judgment um, in love. And really um, instead of being tolerant of what, you know, they're doing, they're coming to you because they love you so much. It takes a lot to show those that love. Um, I love Solomon's words in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22 without counsel, plans fail But with many advisors, they succeed. Leader, who are your lay leaders who are advisors, who have permission to speak the prophetic, often hard truth in your life and love? I mean, the question for the paid professional church worker is, will he or she receive that prophetic word? from someone close
1: to you. Today we have one of the handful of prophetic lay leaders at Christ Greenfield Lutheran Church and School as our guest. Trey Cox is a dear friend, a mathematics professor at Chandler Gilbert Community College, a part-time math teacher within our school, our Christian school, and a part-time family life development director at our church. This is just a new development for for Trey over the last year. Um, Trey is probably the most, and I'm saying this in all due respect to all of our amazing leaders here within our community. Probably the most committed, passionate, timely, and tenacious lay leader I have ever been around. He has helped me as my main reader for my doctoral thesis, and it just seems like this man, maybe you know some of these people, they just have more hours in the day than the average person to get extraordinary things done for the advancement of the name of Jesus and the expansion of his kingdom. So welcome to Lead Time, Trey Cox.
2: Thank you, Tim. I'm really looking forward to talking to you and Jake. I always do. This should be a great time together. For real.
0: Trey, welcome to the show. Please tell us how over the years, I mean, how have you developed your passion and prophetic voice as a lay leader? Well, that's
2: it's kind of a funny question because I have to look all the way back to when I was in confirmation in junior high and high school, and I, I remember my mom, and she had a a brother and a dad that were Lutheran pastors, and they and she, of course, kind of would like her son to be one. And mm-hmm. the people at our church kind of encouraged me to do that, but I never really felt led to to go down that path. I, I rather pursued the the teaching aspect of ministry. But um, I do recall my mom and dad inviting our our pastor over that when I was growing up. His name was Pastor Matthews, and he was just a really generally just a well. Rounded guy loved sports, he would come over and eat dinner with us and watch football and and have a beer and It just made me realize that pastors are are normal men mm. that they're not uh something special in terms of of just being holier than than others, but they just feel this calling and leadership so uh what what I took away from that is and being able to experience pastor Matthews, uh being able to let his hair down at our house and and how important i felt that was to him that i always took that away that that lay leaders have this great important role to play that they need to encourage and support the the ministers that uh, that lead them and you've done that
1: over and over and over again it's ama- just look back at the story right jake how our early years form how you view the rest of your life and the way you view leaders so maybe someone listening you had a bad experience with a pastor or a leader and now you are projecting, this is a psychology term, a, a social systems term, you're projecting that onto maybe us or other people that you look at as authorities. And so that's a major reason why, Jake, you and I are doing this, is one, we got a lot to learn, and we got a lot of incredible people that we got to learn from right here in our community, where we're going to come under their authority, under their experiences.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, Trey, just to hear your story of, this this one pastor and how that affected your life in such a positive way um, that we have that 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 high responsibility uh, to be not on the, vulnerable right yeah vulnerable and not this hierarchical structure of like hey we're the man come yeah. on you you come to us you know you listen to me none of that and our theology not back to Jesus exactly. the way of
1: Jesus our theology says I'm no more spiritual no closer to God than anyone else. It just so happens I've been given a role in a certain season, but frankly I got a shelf life. So I'm just a guy amongst many guys and gals in need of Jesus. So why do you think, Trey, some professional church leaders are reluctant to trust and listen to those prophetic lay leaders in their congregation? Well,
2: I think it's a it's a natural and healthy just caution or fear of sharing too much personal information that that if I go too far and share myself with people, they'll they'll see that I'm not as elevated as they see in, in their mind's eye and and I just think that uh, it's a good idea for a church worker to to uh, be more comfortable with people but also understand that that when they freely share what's on their mind and heart that that can be a in their mind it could be an issue in terms of being able to minister effectively but um, on the other hand we all need accountability we need encouragement uh, we need to see that uh, let other people see that we're real and We're not uh, just something above them in terms of of being a a human being. Um, I think, I know, in fact, in my opinion, that being a pastor has got to be the single hardest job that there is, bar none, with all the different people they have to relate to and all the different life situations they have to counsel through. And uh, I do think they need to be held up in honor and respect and and, uh, just in a special position in people's heart. But they also are... Because they are in that position, Satan has a bullseye drawn on their back. And we all as lay leaders and just members of a congregation need to understand that. And that uh, if Satan could take down the the general of of the army, then the whole pyramid comes crashing down. And unfortunately, we see that too
1: much in our world today. Do you know how I know you just spoke truth? It's I felt comfortable and uncomfortable at the exact same time. (laughs) So thank you so much for that bullseye <laughs> on our backs. And yet, you know, all of the redeemed, all of the baptized, uh, Satan's coming coming after. But certainly he wants to take down strategic leaders who possibly could have this empowering mindset uh, to raise up the next gen. And to raise up others, it means you're taking good feedback from others as well within your congregation.
0: Yeah, I just want to say, Trey, thanks for being one of those guys That's in right. my court over the last fourteen years. When things in my seasons of um, church work as a DCE, Director of Christian Education, work with youth, and then now a pastor, got kind of rough at some point. Um, you were there, just basically hiking. We hiked a lot of mountains together, mm-hmm. and we're able to pour out our hearts. And here's the thing to you, leader: as I and inv- as I as Trey invited me into that, and I invited him into that, and I gave him just a little nugget of truth. And I saw over the months ahead that he didn't share that with anyone else, that I didn't hear from anyone else. As I, that trust grew over time, I was able to give him more nuggets of truth. And so thanks for uh, being a safeguard in my life for that. So what words of advice then, Trey, would you have for lay leaders who are struggling to find their role and have their voice be heard in their local congregation?
2: Well, first and foremost, I, I would just say use what you know you're gifted in and interested in to, to glorify God. And and serve others. Don't, don't worry about how many people that you have quote unquote following you, but, but just serve those that you do have relationships with and, and show them and through sincere and genuine love that you care about them. Um, I'd also say meet, meet with your pastor or pastors and and just let them know you want to help them and to reach their goals of expanding the kingdom. And, but you also would want their support and encouragement, uh, so you can be successful. Um, and after getting their permission, just just go and do it. I think too many lay people wait around for people to come to them and say, you know, would you please do something? I, I think all of us have on our heart and soul what God's uh, got in mind for us, and we just need to do it.
0: <laughs> do it. Do it.
1: That's just one of my it. favorite Nike. phrases. <laughs> really, just get after it. Uh, and you, there's that phrase, right? It's easier to... Ask for forgiveness and permission. And I would say everybody has permission within your sphere of influence to get after it, to bless other people. When even if your pastor
0: did say no, there's you still have a life, right? And maybe it's not at the church, but and you're not trying to take take away authority or anything, but you have a house, you have restaurants in the community, you have partnerships, and so there's a lot you can do, even not in the name of the church but just for For personal love and personal
1: ministry. So good. So what three words of wisdom would you give for the professional church worker who is reluctant, we talk this way a lot, reluctant to discover, develop, and deploy the gifts of their prophetic strong, strong voices, their prophetic lay leaders?
2: Well, before I answer that in terms of the three words, I I would just state that I'm assuming that the church workers are aiming to reach as as many as possible for the kingdom of God. We would like to assume this. If that's the assumption, then... Uh, being a math professor, I've been a math teacher for 32 years. I, I can't ever get away from math. So my, my three ter- words are math terms, uh, multiply, divide, and the distributive property. I'll give you a little bit more explanation <laughs> oh, of what that is. That's, that's <laughs> oh, right no. that. But uh, multiplying, it's uh, exponential growth, increases much faster than arithmetic growth. And in more layman's terms, that's multiplication instead of addition. Um an individual can, can only keep so many balls up in the air at one time before they start falling to the ground. But when you multiply leaders, they will each have a much rather, or rather larger group of people that they can reach out to. So that's the multiplication concept. So one of
1: your main metrics, church, professional church worker, is are you leading leaders? And we talk this way all the time, but who's your apprentice? one of the metrics that's not been on the collective mind and heart of a lot of our church leaders. Are you raising up other church leaders, people that can replace you in time? That's the way of Jesus. We must multiply rather than just add. And I would say add is just, you know, I want my church. How many people are in worship today? More butts in the pews and more money in the coffer. You know what I'm saying? Sorry about that. Did I just take your line? Jay? No, no, exactly. Okay.
0: That's <laughs> good. And and kind of what you're saying there is what's your scorecard. That's right. And so, you know, it's Monday morning and what are you measuring? Measure the multiplication of leaders, not just the butts and baptisms. All right, second
1: uh, word of advice for that,
0: professional church That would workers. be
2: division, as, as in divide division. and conquer. Oh, okay. Uh, if you're really wanting to reach as many people as possible, then then you must, not may. You've got to widen your circle of influence. Uh, it kind of goes along with what I just said. You, you can have to get more leaders on your team. Uh, they're all gifted with for a purpose. God's putting into them gifts and talents that, that you need to make sure they're using and equipping and training them to go out and, and use the gifts they've been given.
0: i, I just pause right there and say, um, leader, look at your calendar. If you're a pastoral leader or you work on the church and, and see how many times have you met that week with lay people and simply ask them, um, what's really bringing you joy right now? Um, how's your family? And what are some things that you're gifted in that I might not know about that we could leverage for the kingdom? It's really that simple. Buy them a coffee, um, hang out. Maybe have them in your office, maybe go to their home. Um, how many of those appointments are you having per week versus just sitting in your study reading the
1: Bible? Though so that is a good thing to do <laughs> so what is what is uh the the third tip word of wisdom for our professional church workers
2: like like I said, it was a distributive property, and just very loosely, my math friends would not be happy with this definition, but for you guys to understand Layman it's Stearns. basically you you know, just taking one numerical value and and giving it out to other values within a set of parentheses. Now, how does that apply to church workers? I just talked. Lost? Oh, you're lost already. <laughs> just freeing up people to be what God's called them to be—the the royal priesthood that uh, reflect and show what others others what God's like. And what I mean is, with distributive property is be willing to delegate and share and pass out different roles and duties to the people in your congregation. You can't do it all as a church leader. It's impossible. So. Find people you trust and,
0: you know, have gift sets and pour into them and use that. That was the best math class
1: ever. Oh, a Jesus math
0: Multiply, class. Multiply, divide, and whatever you said in the last one. Property. Distributive it
1: property. Yeah. Distributed out. Jesus, I mean, when you start talking that way, it's Jesus implemented the distributive property when he fed the 5,000. Yeah. You go and give him something to eat. He does a miracle. The disciples help to distribute Jesus' property
0: yeah and okay. and going back to his his Jesus' math, I mean he focuses on John, he focuses on Peter James, and John, the three he focuses on the twelve the seventy seventy two and then in the early church after he left in Pentecost, it goes into the hundred thousands and then now. To a billion strong. So continue to do that kind of math leader. You have a passion though, Trey, for the truth and shaping the worldviews of the next generation of Jesus followers. Thank you for that passion. You yes. teach a lot of confirmation classes here um, in, our, in our school. What role does shaping the worldview play in raising up passionate lay leaders? Well, in, in my
2: uh, job as a college professor, it's, it's just so clear how many truths are thrown at us each day. and I know the listeners all know that too, but social media and movies, the culture, higher education, just, they're all bombarding us with different truths, quote unquote. And having that biblical worldview, in other words, how we we view and understand the world, it can help us uh, keep a foundation that we can uh, filter all these different theories and philosophies through. And uh, we all need to have our mind renewed and and taught by what God or how God would think and should think in these different situations. Um, the, the lay leaders that that we all are um, just need that foundation so that we can use that to transform other people's lives and, and know what filter to run things through to know God's will in this uh, pretty confusing world that we live in.
1: So why don't you talk a little bit about your role right now, Trey, as a part-time on our staff, working family life director, how are we striving to invest in our what we call journey group shepherds or small group leaders with that uh, biblical worldview. What are we up to right now?
2: Well, we, we've started this program or class course series of classes actually called called Renewal. and that's based on renewing your mind, transforming your your heart and soul through your renewing your mind. And every first and third Sunday of every month, we're having a, a class uh, from nine to ten fifteen that we are pouring into the journey group shepherds, the elders at this church, and and kind of alternating between teaching techniques, leadership skills, and then also just different thematic topics that we run across in our world today and and trying to equip them and understand what what God's will is with these different areas.
1: So, Leader, if you're out there and you're at another church outside of Christ Greenfield and you want information on where we're at on that journey, we'd love to share whatever it is that Jesus has given to us. It's meant to go through us to the wider church. So this is a great question to ask leaders that you're coming alongside consistently. When do you feel, Trey, that you're the most alive in your work of service at the local church?
2: Well, just... Starting with scripture in terms of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that's, yeah. that's the Lutheran Lutheran credo, right. for by grace, for as by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So those words have always been near and dear to me and, and just life-giving, but in terms of what makes me most alive, um, just a recent revelation that I've I've come across, something I should have known as... For a long time, and I wished I would have been uh, focused more on, not more, but as much on verse 10 that says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. And in terms of being excited and lighted up, I'm really happy that I get to meet with different men and women of our congregation and help them to see what gifts and talents that they've been given that they may not even know they that they have, and, and to figure out ways that we can plug them into different ministries here.
1: So Trey already has the mindset of not being a hero, but a hero maker. Not just a leader, but a leader of leaders. Praise Jesus.
0: Amen. I mean, this is incredible, and let's dream for a moment. I mean, paint us a picture, especially for every professional church worker out there in any denomination they're in. Um, but they're, they're serving the church and a lot of times maybe they do feel like the hero and, um, they are worn out though. You're worn out worker and you're tired and you're, you're juggling too many things. Paint a picture for us of what the local church could look like. Have all those people went on a Jesus inspired rampage to discover, develop and deploy thousands of people in their lifetime to develop their unique giftedness, um, as baptized believers in their local congregation.
2: Well. And I may need to ask your forgiveness again, Jake, because I'm going to go to math. Oh, <laughs> I just I used to like it. Well, in terms of a painting a picture, I, I just uh, gave a final exam to the eighth graders here at Christ Greenfield last week. And one of the problems I put on there was uh, basically just an imaginary situation where a, a boy goes to his father and and convinces him to pay him one penny for the first week that he did his chores, but then double that uh, salary or chore payment each week for a year and how much money that 52nd week, how much money that they would be, that this kid would be making is $450,359,962,737 in the 52nd week, with just starting with one cent the first week and doubling that salary each week. So why am I bringing that After up? After one year, one fifty-two weeks, four hundred fifty billion exponential growth.
1: Exponential growth, I—I I,
0: I don't even. I'm trying to do. That.
1: From one penny,
0: from one to penny 450 or a dollar?
1: billion dollars. If he doubled it. Oh, he you, dealt- made, you made one
2: penny the first week for your chores. You make two cents the second and week so for you your chores. You have three. By the 52nd
0: week, four no 400 I got to do the math. Dollars. I got to check that out. I believe we'll, you. Try. We'll get to chop I, I out here in a minute. This. I'll
2: show you. But that is crazy. <laughs> check me on that at home. I'd I love you to do that. I'm blown
0: away.
1: But my point is I would have failed of, your test. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I can say it now because those kids have already taken the exam. My math so professor,
1: my math well teacher at high school said, Alman, you were really fun to have in class but you were the worst math student I have oh, ever Oh, man. I still got a wound, <laughs> Mr. Gerke, that hurt me to the core. Anyway, but I so I trust this mathematician right here. Well, and my point
2: being with <laughs> church leadership is that multiplication idea yeah. that you need to just spread that out from yourself and en- enlist other, other people, and then they can enlist
0: other people, and it's going to grow exponentially like that. But oh, that's a pretty clear picture. That's amazing. High school math, I cheated on a test and got— a 29, even though I cheated. It was awful. I got sent to the principal. It was so bad. Tommy, Tommy. Tommy That's a low point, man. Tommy Sardis me and you, me and you. This room does kind of look like a confessionary, Jake.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. What happens here stays here. That's right. When all our listeners. goes out. (laughs) So here are three main questions. This has been so much fun that we ask all of our guests as we come down the home stretch on lead time. One, who are you currently apprenticing and what does that look like, Trey?
2: It actually is related to my last uh, my last answer to the last question, but yeah. as a as our family ministry director, I I am responsible for Iron Men, married people the gig, which is our women's ministry. I love all these groups. insider
1: the words. So yeah. men's
2: men's ministry, marriage, marriage, women's, women's and small group small ministry. Group. Yeah, yeah, Good. yeah. But uh, and I do mentor a lot of and a lot of people in that. But in yeah. terms of my lifelong professional career as a teacher, I've found it really f- fun and exciting this year to to apprentice and mentor those seven eighth graders I was just talking about. And uh, <clears throat> just having taught 32 years, 30 years in public education, and two in Christian, my first two, it's been a long time since I've been able to openly share my faith mm. in the classroom. And yes, it's possible to
1: share your faith in a math classroom. That's another podcast right there. can yeah, wait. Yeah, it could yeah. be. So what books are you currently reading?
0: I'm doing math over here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jake was just off in la-la land. Anyway, so what books, Trey, are you currently reading?
2: Well, in July, uh, Vicar Jeff Sutherland and I are going to a small group conference, and uh, it's going to be run by this guy named Steve Gladden, who is the small group ministry director at Rick Warren Saddleback Church in California. So... To be more prepared for what that's going to be and just to know where he's going to be coming from, I'm reading three of his books. They're very creative titles. Small Groups with Purpose, (laughs) Leading Small Groups with Purpose, and Planning Small Groups with
1: Purpose. So I have three books. Warren has made a lifetime of ministry out of one word. Purpose. Yeah. I don't know
2: what his fourth book's going to be. I can't wait. <laughs>
1: Something about purpose. It's good. <laughs> but no, in all sincerity, Saddleback does a really, really good job of raising up small group leaders. They're a church that is largely consistent of small group leaders. So I'm going to take all three questions here, dude. So what final word of advice do you have for those desiring the Holy Spirit-inspired courage to grow in their prophetic lay voice? So how do we raise up more prophetic lay leaders' final word? From you, Trey.
2: Well, I'm looking at more at it from the actual person in terms of being a prophetic lay leader. And in order to, to be a prophetic lay leader, you, you got to intimately know know the shepherd. So you need to dig into the Bible and just different studies written by uh, res- respected spirit inspired authors. I would say, and uh, always try to learn more about Jesus, his nature, and his love. And uh, as a prophet, we're not to share our own wisdom, advice, and counsel, but Jesus's. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that if you learn more about God's will and his ways. So be invested in that.
0: Man, Trey Cox, it has been a joy to have you on Lead Time. I reflect on the interview that we had with you maybe a year and a half ago that got you um, on staff officially, even though you were a lay leader um, doing basically staff work before that. Trey, you brought in, listener, he brought into the interview an organizational chart of men's, women's, Journey group life of all lay leaders that he was already leading. Yeah. And so the power here is to release yourself to equip the saints for work of ministry. And the the people like Trey that that understand that and get that and have that empowering spirit from you will do the same to hundreds more. And the mission of Jesus will move along. So we both thank you for your leadership here at the local church, for strengthening marriages through our date-night ministry, um, for working well on teams. And for your example of being a good husband to Janelle, sure. um, at least what what I what I hear from her, she's loving <laughs> loving y'all. How long 32 32 you guys been married? Thirty two years. Thirty two years to reflect that. the unconditional love of Jesus, and then to raise your boys well to be disciples of Jesus. So
1: yeah, and for you out there lay leader, whether you're at Christ Greenfield or outside of our community, when you see something, say something to leaders. When Jesus gives you a word. Do not cower in fear or think it's not your place. The same Holy Spirit lives in you as lives in those who have been called and ordained as servants of the word. And that word rests and abides in you. And we are better together. First Corinthians 12, Romans chapter 12. Everybody has unique gifts, a unique voice. And let that voice be heard, connected to the one who gave us that voice, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Next time on Lead Time, we'll be interviewing Jeff
0: Rodemeyer, a marvelous leader at Thrivent Financial and head elder at Christ Greenfield in Church and School, as we begin a two-part series about finance and faith. Sharing is caring. We hope you share this Lead Time out there in the world. People are listening, and uh, we love you, care about you, and we thank you for leading well at whatever you do, especially toward the mission of Jesus. Jesus loves you. See you next time. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org/leadtime. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.